Welcome back to the second half of the My Little Pony Transformers crossover. Of the second My Little Pony Transformers crossover. Last we left, a villain from Equestria, King Sombra, has taken over Cybertron and mind-controlled a large amount of Cybertronians and ponies. Including, but most concernedly, Megatron, Twilight Sparkle, Fluttershy, and Pinkie Pie. Issue 3 begins with Sick Beats. We open with two ponies, Vinyl Scratch and Octavia. These are both background characters that are very popular with kind of the fandom, to my understanding. I, despite liking My Little Pony, have not really been involved with the fan community, so I'm still not entirely sure. But um, I do see them in fan art a lot. They are both music-oriented, which is really the only thing that's relevant to like this particular section. Octavia is a classical musician, while Vinyl Scratch is a DJ. The two of them run into several of Twilight's students who have also been teleported to Cybertron. Uh, so we have Yona the Yak, Smolder the Dragon, Galus the Griffin, or Galus, 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 um, Sandbar the Pony, Silverstream the Hippogriff, and Asalus the Changeling. If you'll remember, in the previous crossover, Queen Chrysalis it was also a Changeling, but Asalus looks a lot different because at some point there was a split essentially of Queen Chrysalis and the rest of the Changelings, so they're no longer under Chrysalis's control. I only bring this up because I find it very odd that Soundwave actually calls her a Changeling later, and I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> the group argues a bit, but Octavia, who is also a teacher at Twilight School, takes the lead as she is the adult. She is the fucking adult here. Unfortunately for them, as soon as that decision was made, Soundwave made himself known and attacks them. Said attack results in a structural collapse, trapping all of them, including Soundwave, in a cavern under the rubble. Soundwave insists that they are all his captives, despite all of them being equally trapped and arguably him maybe more trapped because he's so big he's having a hard time moving around. <laughs> yep. He calls Gallus a buffalo. I would have expected Soundwave out of most of the mechs to be a bit better at identif identifying that a griffin is not a buffalo. Yona is insulted when Gallus says that Yona is in fact the buffalo. Yona is yak! Not Yona's whole thing! Octavia attempts to keep some peace and Soundwave uses a sonic blast to try and break them all out. This fails, and Vinyl Scratch also makes an attempt as well. After Soundwave uh, fails again, after being assisted by Ravage and Laserbeak, Vinyl Scratch suggests a giant robot and pony collab. All without speaking, of course, as she is traditionally a non-speaking character. Soundwave agrees to a truce when Acellus suggests that they just give him some magic instead of him taking it. And through the magical powers of a giant boombox robot, two of his children, a pony DJ and a classical musician pony, the group is able to escape. Soundwave reports, or attempts to report to Megatron, only receiving an all-hail-king-sombra in return. <laughs> and then he insinuates that he will continue to work with the ponies to, you know, free his master. Then we have Volume 3, Part 2, which is The Beauty of Cybertron. We see Ratchet and Rarity spying on a group of brainwashed Cybertronians who are dumpster diving. <laughs> These two are attempting to find a cure to Sombra's brainwashing, which honestly seems a hell of a lot more, like, constructive than Applejack wandering in the freaking desert. Applejack is channeling her cowboy <laughs> mentality. <laughs> Evidently. So... Ratchet and Rarity capture a test subject. Said test subject is, however, not minded controlled at all and was instead just trying to get some designer racing tires. It will shock no one when I tell you that this is, in fact, Knockout. 
My first thought was that he was using Jonathan's strategy from the mummy when he blends in with the crowd by chanting, Imhotep, Imhotep. <laughs> totally same vibes. Meanwhile, the other dumpster divers scurry away before Rarity and Ratchet can grab any of them. Ratchet voluntells knockout that he's helping them now by threatening his paint job and presumably physical, um... The rest of him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> by attaching a detonator or something to his shoulder. Knockout does agree, but he insists that he's setting their travel itinerary because he wants to show Rarity some pretty shit. She's only gotten to see war-torn Cybertron. Yep. There's so many fun destinations here. All very pretty, with the last one being the natural Energon Springs, which ends up being exceptionally relevant to their goal when they find more test subjects. <laughs> one of which is Breakdown. If you are unaware, in Transformers Prime, where both of these versions of Knockout and Breakdown originate from, they are heavily implied through subtext to be in a relationship. This was eventually made text in IDW1, uh, where they are actually married in that continuity, so they are also in a relationship here. Mm -hmm. The three spring into action with Ratchet saying, Medical breakthroughs are trial and error. The plan is to try things and hope we survive long enough to learn from the errors. Ratchet then sarcastically apologizes to Rarity for not having discovered a way to conduct pure friendship energy, or whatever the ponies normally do, when their initial attempt to snap the Cybertronians out of mind control fails. Rarity confesses that this was indeed how they defeated Sombra last time. Ratchet then throws a contraption together and puts part of it on Rarity's head. Silly brainwave hat time! This allows Rarity and Knockout to focus on freeing Breakdown with the contraption channeling Rarity's magic. Knockout gives a heartfelt speech to Breakdown. <laughs> Which ultimately works, um, but Rarity gets to rib him about it because he actually didn't need to say anything to break well, to break Breakdown out of the mind control. <laughs> yep, all he needed was the emotions. <laughs> breakdown also calls him sweet. Which is, it was. It was actually quite good. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere, King Sombra watches these events and comes up with a terrible, awful, no good plan of his own to channel his power through Cybertronian technology. Now on to Volume 4, Part 1, The Mightiest Dinobot. Our cast for this segment being the Dinobots, Spike and Smolder. And our surprise antagonists who will be revealed shortly. Grimlock introduces Spike to the other Dinobots. Uh, if you'll remember from the previous uh, crossover, we only got to see Grimlock uh, because Grimlock for some reason was basically the only one left in the arc mm -hmm. and Spike was the only one that got teleported over there. But anyway, he introduces him to the rest of the Dinobots trying to talk him up, make him seem cool enough to hang out with them. A situation that's not going in Spike's favor. Uh, with Smolder looking like the much cooler dragon out of the two of them. When who walks out from behind some buildings? But Superion! If you have trouble with names like Moa, uh, this is the Aerobot combiner that actually just popped up in episode 56. This is the combiner made entirely out of planes. The Dinobots attempt to fight Superion, but it is not going well for them, with them getting tossed around and slammed into the floor, the walls, each other, etc. <laughs> Spike, having done research since his last outing with Grimlock, comes up with a plan to separate Superion into his component parts, which would hopefully break the mind control. He does so by taunting each of the five Aerobots in turn with some tailored comments. This does work, and Superion falls to pieces. And Silverbolt maybe doesn't know what the fuck just happened, but he does at least seem to be himself again, as do the rest of them. 
We get some super cute Dinobot faces here, but the cutest is Sludge. And Spike is made an honorary Dinobot, while the other Dinobots all cheer him on. The Aerialbots watch this scene, slightly confused, but, you know, it's like, okay, this is happening. Less, it's a plot time now? <laughs> <laughs> and now for issue four, part two, finale. Optimus and a small group of Autobots have finally caught up to King Sombra, who seems to be unearthing something with some mind-controlled help. Our group with Optimus consists of Trailbreaker, Mirage, Bumblebee, Cliffjumper, and Ailita One. Optimus calls for backup, but unfortunately it's not going to reach them soon enough, so they all jump into the fray. Alita realizes that King Sombra is attempting to dig up the Titan Scorponok. King Sombra has combined with Scorponok to form King Sombranok. Which is a terrible name, really. <laughs> it is. Then the reinforcements arrive, including Starscream, Cosmos, Soundwave, Octavia, the Wonderbolts, and the non-mind-controlled members of the main six. Cute things about this scene. Rainbow Dash and Starscream are good-naturedly bickering and making bets with one another. Cosmos is in fact carrying Soundwave in boombox mode. My Little Pony said Cosmos writes, and so do I. <laughs> then there are some Orionic exosuits that have been adapted for the ponies, giving them the ability to transform into weapons. Harkening back to the Target Masters, but with a much wider weapon and just tool variety. Shockwave removes Sombra's control from Fluttershine Pinkie Pie. Rarity transforms into a shield and pairs with Shockwave. Applejack transforms into a hammer and pairs with RC. Rainbow Dash transforms into an axe and pairs up with Starscream. Spike transforms into a gun and pairs up with Bumblebee. So I actually really like this idea. It's really, really fun. Um, but I'm a little disappointed that aside from Rainbow Dash, all the ponies don't get paired up with Transformers. They have some kind of relationship. Like, um... RC very easily could have paired up with Rarity, um, since they were they met in the initial, you know, crossover, but also like Grimlock's got a gun, y'all. This wouldn't have been hard. You could have very easily paired Spike up with Grimlock. Mm -hmm. Using the power of friendship and bonking people on the head, they are able to free Twilight, Megatron, and the others. Starscream taking point to smack Megatron around, for obvious reasons. <laughs> The last three ponies also get exosuits and are paired off with a Cybertronian each. Uh, Twilight predictably transforms into a sword and is paired off with Optimus. Fluttershy, we think, is transformed into some kind of shield and paired up with Ratchet, but we never really get a close-up and she doesn't have a role in the fight. And please see my previous comment of, like, why wasn't Rarity paired up with, with Ratchet if Ratchet was going to be one of the people involved in this fight, but... Mm -hmm. And then lastly... Pinkie Pie transforms into a cannon or a gun or something that is paired off with Megatron. <laughs> it is as magical as you're imagining. Megatron was not ready for this. No one was ready for the Pinkie Pie. <laughs> mm -hmm. This means that Megatron is running around the last battle shooting rubber chickens and cupcakes out of a pink cannon. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> At one point, Pinkie Pie, when she before she transforms, goes, Party cannon? Well, she has a party cannon, so I just basically insinuated that she turned into a party cannon. That's, I'm entirely convinced she transformed into a party cannon. I don't know if that's actually how, like, the writers would say it, but fuck it, she transformed into a party cannon. <laughs> it fits her. They beat King Sombra and the day is saved. Megatron is agreeable to a truce, at least for the moment, after beating King Sombra, but he's still going to blast Starscream, goddammit. Evidently, using the pony weapons channels Starscream's thoughts... And his hope that he'd accidentally kill Megatron in uh, his attempt to free him. <laughs> and back at the gate to Equestria. Twilight gives Megatron a stern talking to, 
but suggests that instead of the accidental meetups, that perhaps they should, you know, plan something next time. Megatron's not interested, but it doesn't seem like he's going to stand in the way of anybody else that is. Rumble is super down for this, including holding up the book he was reading at the beginning of our story. And then as our story ends, a quintessence is looking at a screen, at the ponies and Cybertronians, at their celebration with menace. As, you know, quintessence are ought to do. Sadly, we doubt there will be a continuation, given uh, that IDW has uh, lost the rights to the Hasbro properties. Which is truly a pity, because I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm also very sad we, like, aren't getting any figures from this crossover. Like, I, I would actually love some transforming pony weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I, I would like to give my, my Megatron a party cannon. <laughs> so, um, what were your thoughts of this crossover, Specs? All of the issues and various stories had cute bits. I mean, I really enjoyed how resourcefully Lofty and Holiday dealt with Killmaster. Thundercracker's interaction with Rainbow Dash at the end of the Seekers chapter was cute. and He was just holding her up. It reminded me a lot of uh, him and Buster in IDW1. Soundwave insistence that the equestrians were his captives were, well, they were all trapped was funny, and there was one bit where just the lighting was very menacing. It was. Like, everything was red. Like, the only light was coming from, from Soundwave, basically. Yeah. Then uh, there were also a really nice job with the prep montages in that section as well. How Vinyl Scratch showed Vinyl Scratch setting all of her stuff up their stuff i'm not actually sure she does it twice i think she she does one where she sets up her own stuff and tries to get out and then there's the part where like she teams up with soundwave and octavia to try to get them all out yeah and then the mind controlled people dumpster diving stealing things that was just weirdly funny to me because it was just the part where they all just kind of scampered (laughs) off when they were interrupted and also, the bit where it's just like Ratchet's face is getting batted by, <laughs> by people. Yeah. While they're trying to uh, unmind control breakdown. And then it was, ha- it was nice that Ratchet got to be a main character, too, for one story. And then the party cannon. The party cannon was just hilarious. The party cannon was amazing. I have no notes, changed nothing. Except, honestly, I wish it had been in there a bit longer because um, pairing Megatron up with Pinkie Pie is not a thing I would have considered doing, but it was hysterical. They are at Agents of Chaos together. Uh, yeah! Very different kinds of chaos, but chaos nonetheless. Um, so personally, my favorite chapter was the one with Rarity Ratchet Knockout. Um, I am just really happy to see the Prime characters and other things, including... While this Ratchet didn't look like the one from Prime, he acted a lot like the one from Prime. Um, and I think all those characters are great. And Breakdown died, so... He's alive here. He's nice. Always a plus. I didn't like Soundwave's bit nearly as much in this one. And I was really disappointed he didn't get to interact with Fluttershy at all. Like, they were really cute in that first part. And I feel like Fluttershy's a nice pony. She'd want to check in with him and all the cassettes. And I'm kind of... Overall, if I had one complaint about this, is that I wish there had been more carryover from some of the stuff that happened in the first part. Because, like, again, Rarity had paired up with RC. They didn't talk at all. And for some reason, Rarity paired up with Shockwave. I just don't know why that was the decision made. Because, again, there's nothing there's nothing narratively satisfying about it, I guess is the best way to put it. That and that's... Yeah. Whereas... Rainbow 
Dash getting paired up with Starscream is narratively satisfying because it shows they at least have reached some modicum of trust, or at least as much trust as you're normally going to get from Starscream, um, yeah. you know, over the course of the story. And I, I wish for more of that. And again, like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very biased. <laughs> I liked that scene, the section with Shockwave, or not Shockwave, Soundwave. I liked that section with Soundwave. And I wanted more of it, and it was very cute, and we didn't get to see his cassettes hardly at all, except Rumble at the beginning and the end had some speaking lines, which were funny, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of him, like, loving equestrian literature. It's great. <laughs> but, um, some art thoughts. Overall, I'd say that the art was better compared to the first crossover, at least overall. The rarity faces in some parts were very funny, because she just, she didn't look quite the way she normally does. Yeah, but it didn't look like off-model or anything. It just looked like her making very funny faces. So, like, yeah. 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And then Knockout. Knockout's face just kind of looked like it lacked structure a fair amount of the time in this issue. And there was a lot of lip biter. So much lip biter. Which is, it ironically, Ratchet looked fine <laughs> through it. So, you know, whatever. I also found that Soundwave looked a little funky in his section as well. Like, he didn't, you know what I mean? Where I see he didn't seem as, like, sharp, like, structurally sharp. Like, he had less sharp edges than I feel like he should. But do the. Marshmallowy. Yeah, he was kind of marshmallowy. But because he doesn't have facial expressions, it's not nearly as noticeable with him. So, like, it was a good section to have that problem with, I guess. Overall, though, the colors were good, the art was good, and it was nice to look at. I don't have any, like, massive complaints or anything, and there were legitimately parts that cracked me up. Yeah. Overall, we recommend this if it sounds like fun to you. Like, if you enjoy My Little Pony and Transformers, you'll probably enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Also, maybe go buy it before IDW completely loses the damn license and the things aren't available for purchase anymore. Yeah. It's, again, very frustrating because it's like it's going to make buying those things way harder. <laughs> yeah. So join us next time for episode 57, Masquerade. And yes, I know we said that at the end of episode 56. I'm very sorry. Our schedule has been super wonky. I had to move a few months ago and I'm still unpacking stuff. So everything has been kind of all over the place for me. Life is weird, guys. We're just rolling with it. <laughs> and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Alice. Doodles.